It's a new era for law enforcement in the city of Lafayette as Police Chief Thomas Glover Sr. takes the reins of the department. I'm your host, Alfred Jones, and on today's podcast, News 10 sits down for an in-depth, exclusive interview with the new chief discussing his plans, his philosophies, and his insights as the city's first African-American police chief, now on 10 Talks Acadiana. 10 Talks Acadiana, the podcast powered by KLFY.com. Well, hello, Acadiana. We're sitting down with Lafayette's newest police chief, Mr. Thomas Glover, Sr. Chief, we want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we know that um, you're a Louisiana native, 40 years in law enforcement in the Dallas area. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about uh, what got you into policing and what's eventually brought you back to your home state. Well, I've always had an interest in law enforcement, uh, the criminal justice niche. Uh, law itself. At one time I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, when I graduated from high school I wound up going to Grambling, mm-hmm. uh, majoring in criminal justice and political science with the expected anticipation of becoming a lawyer. And uh, somewhere along that uh, journey I decided to change to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Expected to be there for a year or two, and then go to law school and didn't happen. I wound up staying uh, in a very good career. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as Lafayette is concerned, uh, I wanted to get back to the state eventually. It's my home state, and I was gone for over 40 years, and I felt that I was a good match for Lafayette because of some of the experiences I'd had in the Dallas area working for a department that went through some of the same things that Lafayette is going through now. And I learned from them, and I felt that I would be a good uh, fit for the city of Lafayette and for the citizens. You talk about some of those things that uh, we're going through as a community. And I say we're because we live here as well, uh, that we're going through as a community and with law enforcement. I know that one of your predecessors, even though in the interim, Reggie Thomas, uh, was uh, big on community policing. How does that play into what you plan to do for the city of Lafayette? I think that's the central tendency of what I want to do. Uh, Community policing is nothing more than getting the community to walk beside police officers in this fight against crime, uh, in the fight to make the city of Lafayette a safer community, business friendly, and one that attracts businesses from all around the world as well as uh, tourist dollars and building a strong tax base. So in order to do that, the police and the community walk side by side, right. hand in hand, tackling not only criminal problems, but as most people know, the social ills that tend to degrade some of the things that are productive for our society. Mm-hmm. Now, Chief, I know that you retired from the Dallas Police Department in 2017, correct? Yes, uh, from active duty, and less than 24 hours later, I went in and signed up to become a reserve, mm-hmm. doing the same things that I've done for years. It's in your blood, you couldn't stay away from it. Yeah, I actually just retired totally from the city of Dallas January 22nd of this year. Oh wow, well, congrats yeah. on retirement and Thank you. congrats on your new job again. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, 
A year before your retirement, there was a, a tragedy that took place in your uh, former city where five police officers were killed. Um, how did the department respond to the, the outcry from people in the city or supporters who, where there were days of protests following that shooting? How did you respond there and how do you plan to translate that here when we deal with tragedies of our own? I think the first thing is that if you consistently work on police and community relations, i.e. the community policing, treating people with dignity, uh, treating people with dignity regardless of who they are, whether they are a business person, an educator, or someone who's homeless, when things happen that are tragedies in the community, it's a lot easier for us to get together and work together because the community has established a relationship and they see you as being legitimate. And so I think that's the thing, stress community service so that we can trust each other. And when we trust each other, we become legitimate to each other. And when we become illegitimate to each other, we can solve some of those problems that erupt when there's a tragic shooting. So I know during the, the interview process or maybe the, the, the vetting process of a new chief, we had some, um, we had an officer involved shooting, uh, the shooting death of Trayford Pellerin. I'm sure you're familiar with the case. Uh, yes. The days of protest that followed uh, that event. What did you see from the outside looking in? Well, I followed it on the media and I saw a community and a police department that I thought was working together because some of the things that happen all around this country really didn't happen here. The destruction of property, destruction of police cars, fires, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I am a believer in peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. It is the constitutional right of people to legally and lawfully protest. And so I believe that the city of Lafayette's police department handled themselves in a uh, acceptable manner and the citizens did mm -hmm. and there were some outside groups that came in and protest which is their right mm -hmm. but the number one message you get from that is that it is better to sit down and work out our problems rather than to burn and loot and attack and destroy when people and I won't say all situations but in some uh, the issue of race comes a question uh, in these police shootings. In a city that's about uh, 26, 27 percent African-American, how do you think we can benefit from having an African-American chief law enforcer? Well, the first thing I always tell people is that I don't police by color. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've always believed in myself and I've taught my children that excellence has no color. That's number one. Number two is, I think, uh, when people say that I've made history, mm -hmm. I believe to myself that I have to now make sense. And you make sense by policing the whole community equally. Everybody gets the same treatment. Everybody gets the same opportunity. But I have seen things from a perspective of being an African-American man, an African-American father. And these things have taught me lessons. And number one, I tell both sides, I tell the police department and the officers, don't judge an entire race of people by the actions of a few. Mm -hmm. And then I tell the people, don't judge an entire profession by the actions of a few. 
I think there are good and bad on both sides and we have to learn to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And when we learn to recognize that, I believe that the element of color will disappear. Mm -hmm. Last year, um, and it was following some of the protests, we did something here where we, we talked to different law enforcement officers and uh, community leaders about uh, identifying biases in law enforcement or uh, in any, whatever the case may be, but how we get rid of them and learn to police or even just interact with people as people and not based on a specific stereotype or whatever it may be. Uh, if you can, how would you say uh, you, you plan to identify biases within uh, a police department? Well, number one, I think as humans, we have to accept the fact that all people are consciously or subconsciously biased. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have training that will be ongoing to uh, members of the Lafayette Police Department. And it's very prominent around the country and around the world. Implicit bias and explicit bias. Implicit bias is something that uh, is a built-in bias. We might have, uh, we might not like a red vehicle or mm -hmm. we want our coffee black or we prefer to sit on uh, a certain side of the bench. Mm -hmm. And those are things that play into our everyday interaction also. Mm -hmm. There are things about people that we may not like. Uh, there are things about personality. Someone may be quieter, more laid back and subdued and we like that. Mm -hmm. Where another person may be a little louder, more animated and we dislike that. Mm -hmm. That same thing comes with us in policing. But the, the, the key to it is you can never you can never act on and you can never police based on what your biases are. You have to police everybody the same, regardless of whether there is an explicit bias which can be readily identified or regardless of whether there's an implicit bias that when it's acted out, somebody points it out to you. Mm -hmm. And you have to be conscious of that and do whatever it is necessary to uh, correct that. Okay. Uh, I guess speaking of correcting, what are some of the things you see that need correcting within LPD? Well, LPD is a very good police department. Uh, I love the men and women of this department. I think they're great. Uh, there are some things that traditionally we might need to change. One of the things I'd like to do is to implement community policing from the top down. Mm -hmm. That's starting with me. Uh, every week, being required to do something in the community, and that is making a contact with a member of the public that is not law enforcement generated, whereby you coach a girls softball team, talk to Girl Scouts, go and make a speech in front of a church group, or for that matter, just walk into a convenience store, getting a cup of coffee and sitting down and talking with the person who's working in the store and finding out what they need. Uh, I believe that we need to put more police officers on the street. That is one of my uh, strongest mandates. Um, this department is not understaffed. I think there are some positions that we can look at where that position would better serve the people of the city by being out in the patrol function, right. answering calls. So I'll be looking at things like that, the community policing. I want to definitely, and this is an issue I think is near and dear to me, and to most people, and that is to do some extensive recruiting, uh, starting with people who are growing up in Lafayette, who are born and reared here, who go to school here. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see a pool of those individuals 
someday become police officers. And so we're going to be working on that through a junior police academy and through some very uh, extensive recruitment efforts. So recruiting good qualified people to form a pool so that we can select from community policing from the top down and putting more officers on the street. And last but not least, increasing the effectiveness of interactions between a Lafayette police officer and a member of the public. Okay. Uh, before we started filming, you mentioned uh, a list of goals you had. I know today is day 46 for you on the job? Uh, day 47. 47. Yes. My apologies. So uh, what have you accomplished thus far? Well, number one is we've already implemented the process of a community event once a week. Mm -hmm. I've identified uh, a little less than 10 positions that are going to be reassigned to patrol. We have split the south side of the city into two precincts rather than one. Uh, the smaller the area is that you have land-wise, the easier it is for a police commander of a precinct to manage it. And so we've done okay. that. In addition, we've made dozens of community contacts. Awesome. I am very uh, strong in my beliefs with using the faith-based community to help uh, with the community policing. I have met with community members. I'm in the community every day in barbershops and restaurants, just doing what is necessary to get the word out. But the main thing is, I believe I have started to let people know that we have to change the culture and we have to become uh, community oriented. Not that we're not community oriented now, but we're gonna go so heavy in community oriented policing, there'll be no doubt because every person within the ranks of the police department from my position down uh, to the street level officer will be practicing community policing. Awesome. Uh, I guess a little more in depth, what about uh, your first year? What do you hope to accomplish? Well, I want to start a Citizens Police Academy and in this Citizens Police Academy we'll have members of the community, of course adults that will go through some of the same training that police officers go through. They will get to see things from the eye of the practitioner of law enforcement. They'll learn what we go through when we practice and when we participate in law enforcement based training. Mm -hmm. They will get a feel of what it's like to sit in the classroom and be taught about the things that law enforcement is about. And so they'll, they'll get an idea of what it's like to be a police officer mm -hmm. from the civilian perspective. I'd like to see that before the end of the year. It's on track to be started in a few months, as well as the Junior Police Academy, mm -hmm. whereby we will put our hands on young people in this community the same way a Major League Baseball team would do on a pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. He didn't start getting known by the professional baseball team uh, when he became a pro in the major leagues. They followed him and courted him right. from grade school all the way up, and I want to do that for this uh, department and for this community. I think uh, it's a good process. And last but not least, I really want to focus on the relationship of the police department to the community as a whole in solving some of the social norms. Most people will say that police officers aren't social workers, but we really are. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get overtaxed with events and with tasks that require a social worker, but I want to make sure that the police department is uh, participating in 
addressing the homeless problem, mm -hmm. participating in making sure that littering and community blight is something of the past, and uh, making sure that we have a safe community as a whole, meaning they're getting more involved in the community. But I also want to do something that I think is catching on around the country. We need to have a more proactive response to responding to calls dealing with someone who's going through a crisis yeah. related to mental health. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at putting together a program where if that's the case, when a police officer responds, it won't just be a police officer responding. We'll have someone who's a professional at dealing with a person uh, who is suffering from a mental illness crisis. And that's going to be something that's very near and dear to me. And I think the citizens of Lafayette will also benefit from that. But the bottom line is, as police officers, we have to understand that neighborhood relations and neighborhood problems are ours also. And yesterday we started the first day of what I call the neighborhood policing program where I identified one officer who started to work and they drive all over the city taking care of some of the problems that would normally draw a police officer to a 911 call. And this is going to be working with members of the community, working with other groups, working with other departments in the city, making sure if we have an encampment that's uh, cluttered with litter that it's properly taken care of, making sure that if we have someone who needs medical service or mental health counseling that they get it. And so we're going to be addressing some of the quality of life issues that if they go unaddressed, they manifest themselves in an increase in calls for police service, as well as on the back end, possibly an increase in crime. Right. Right. I can see how that would uh, could escalate to that level. Chief, I like something you said about giving the community uh, that perspective to see how law enforcement address certain situations and the training that you guys go through uh, to address it. Uh, equally, if not more important, training your officers to deal with uh, people in crises or who have mental health uh, issues. Uh, I've worked on a story in the past where uh, one local entity was interested in getting that type of training for their officers, but of course funding can become an issue. Is this something that would fall on the taxpayers or, or their uh, federal grants or some type of uh, monetary incentive that Lafayette could get for pursuing this type of training? Well, right now we do have some funds available for training. Uh, the administration for the city of Lafayette made sure that the police department had the resources available to get that type of training. In addition, there are grants available and we do have a grant now that will help us address some of the training needs and training issues. But even if there was no funding available, I have talked to people in this community who are willing to come in and assist in training police officers at no cost on how to make this city a better city in terms of police response to people suffering from any type of crisis related to mental illness. Okay. And I think no matter uh, your status or position in the community, I think we all want a safer city and happy to have you on board and I'm pretty positive you're gonna make that happen. Thank you, I definitely will. All right, thank you, Chief. 10 Talks at Kadiana. Subscribe wherever podcasts are downloaded. A Star Media production.